doesn't need to be that. Deposits, what deposit do you need to buy a property? Stay tuned. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Morning Minutes. Myself, Michael Burjo, Mark Novak, episode 325. We're talking about deposits for sales, residential, commercial. Mark, how big is your deposit? deposit <laughs> Show us your deposit. Deposit, 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 deposit. deposit. Uh, Mark, so today's topic was uh, recommended to us by Deline. Uh, Deneen, I believe it is. She's given us two great topics, which we'll be talking about, and really just defining how much of a deposit you need and when you need it. Let's start with residential. And also, there is a difference with deposits between what I need for a purchasing contract and what I need for a loan. So, Mark, let's go through. That gets confusing. That confuses people. Yes, exactly. And what do we mean with the difference between residential alone? Okay, so there's a function of a sale contract when you're exchanging on a property, which is typically 10%. So if you buy a property for a million dollars, you need to put a 10% deposit, $100,000 as the down payment, you could call it, to exchange contracts. But that then you've got a loan. So a lot of the time, you're not buying the whole purchase with cash. So you don't have a million dollars cash. So you'll go to a bank and you'll say, I want to get a, a loan. I've got maybe $300,000 in cash. I want to buy a property for a million dollars. And then they do the loan. But of that $300,000 for the down payment for the contract, you only need to put 10% down. That means you still have 200,000 in cash, which is due on settlement. A lot of people get those deposits um, mixed up and they do vary. Mike, do you want to talk us through different deposit contract numbers that are out there that you could do and why can yeah, it change? So, so just to reiterate, guys and girls who are watching and for people who may be on, not in the know, even if you're in the know, this is good for someone for you to share with that's not in the know. You've got... Um, but the banks require, and you're talking like a 30-year loan, the banks require a deposit because they don't want it. They want to share the risk with you. So the banks are going to say, look, we're happy to give you, if it's a $500,000 property, we're happy to give you $460,000 if you put in 10%. So that's that's for banking purposes, for loan purposes, for repayment purposes. But what people really get confused is that banks can vary. So every bank's different on their expectation of the deposit depending on the profile of the customer. But as real estate agents, we don't get involved in that as much. We're transactional on the transaction sale at the time so what will happen is we we will have a client that's selling they will put a contract together to sell and they have an expectation on a deposit to take they will hold the property for six weeks until you've got all your finance organized so that's they're the two main ways that people talk about deposit in our industry when buying 
more residential and it really does get crossed over. So uh, lending purpose deposit is different to the purchase with the, with the seller deposit. Good point. Now, what is that range? So we always hear a lot of different numbers for a lending purpose deposit. What, and also it varies for first home buyers, doesn't it, Mark? So do you want to take us through a typical range, minimum and a bit of a scenario that goes with it, maximum and a bit of a scenario that goes with it with a lending deposit? Yeah. So the, the bank's attitude to a loan is our banks are AAA rated. Now, look, this is not a – this is uh, – this is, we're not brokers, but, you know, from what we know, what happens out there with clients, that, that's what we're sort of mirroring today, not giving financial advice. But um, <laughs> banks uh, generally, <laughs> like that, but, yeah. but banks, um, banks are really comfortable. Like when they profile you for a loan, they're really comfortable on a 20% deposit. Fact. So if you've got a 20% deposit, they're pretty com- on a residential, they're pretty comfy. Now, they if it's any less than that, they have to use a product called mortgage insurance. So that's how banks actually become trip, uh, our Australian big four, are uh, AAA rated. I still think even through um, our, our economy lately, AAA rated internationally. And it, it, the reason why is when they issue debt, they do it in a very, very secure manner. And then they get these ratings on the back of that. I'm sure you can shoot holes from what I'm saying, but generally this is the gist of, um, of, of, of how it is. Now, if you're a buyer and the bank's got to give you a loan, the bank says, hey, you don't have 20%. You go, no, I've only got 10 the bank says, okay, well, you could buy this product. It's called mortgage insurance, and that will actually that will actually cover our bum. So we on on book value or face value, we're still doing with uh, securitization on eighty percent. You get what I mean? So you pay a one-off payment uh, because for the benefit of using only a ten percent deposit, and mm-hmm. that'll insure you. That, that extra 10% to take you up to 20% it insures you. So you're still taking a 90% loan, but the bank's got some uh, more, uh, extra layer of protection called mortgage insurance. And then, Michael, first yeah. home buyers are a bit different again, yeah? Yeah, and so with first home buyers, there's a government scheme at the moment where you only need a 5% deposit and that mortgage insurance that you spoke about the, the basically the government would be your guarantor. So that's a great benefit out there at the moment. So if you're buying something for 500,000, typically the 20% deposit would be 100,000. Um, for someone who's not a first home buyer, they could buy it with a 10% deposit, but they pay the mortgage insurance. But if you're a first home buyer, you could be buying a property with a 5% deposit and, the, and your, the, the government is your guarantor, which is the incentive at the moment. So you can see that variance and range with lending finance. So it's never just one. It, it all, so when we all often get asked the question from buyers, how much do I need? And obviously now you can sort of, it's not that we hesitate with the question. We've got to ask questions to know which scenario is best for you. Are you a first home buyer that could qualify there? Do, are you having less. But here's another thing as well, Mark. It it also, you've got to balance the pros and cons because you may have, for example, 
a 20% deposit at 500,000, but you really love a property at 600,000. Now, technically you you could buy that if you go with the product mortgage insurance, which there will be a fee for it, but you got to balance the cost of that and how much you really want the 600, thousand dollar property but a lot of the time if you say no i'm just going to keep to the 20 percent deposit and i'll buy something a bit cheaper maybe i'll rent it out and i'll live somewhere somewhere else so a lot of people just assume that if i don't have 20 percent or 30 percent i can't get a loan but there are products out there but it is always best to try and stick to that 20 percent so you don't have that additional fee but it's good to know that there are other ways around it if you really need a two-bedroom apartment and you're in a one-bedroom. So there, there's products yeah, out there. Don't, don't forget, it doesn't have to be in cash, the deposit. The deposit can be in property. So if you uh, own a property already and you wish to secure another property, you don't have to have liquid cash. If you've got um, equity or if you've got fat, in another property, you can literally point the bank to that other property and say, hey, there's a 100000 there, which I want to use as a deposit for the other one. Uh, and so don't think that you actually have to walk uh, back up a, a car with cash for a, for a 5 or 10 or a 15 20% deposit. You can actually use another property um, in order to do that. There's also hybrids where you can also use friends or family as well uh, with lines of credit and stuff like that to help you along for your deposit. Yes, and how you know if there's the, the fat in the property, um, it's called equity. And, for example, you or your parents, you may have had a property for a few years. The, easy, the quickest way to check is the debt, the loan value, how much is owed on the property. Let's say it's 500000 and then get a, a valuation, and let's say it's a million dollars. So, therefore, there's half a million dollars in equity or fat there. Generally, the banks want to keep 20% there. So take away 20% off the 500, of the mill 200. There's $300,000 that could be used as a deposit to secure another deposit out there. So deposits for lending vary a lot. So I think we covered most base, um, bases one, there. Just, just one thing, on the first home buyer grants, the government issued 10,000 10, of those on five. So if you want to use a five, uh, less uh, than a 20%, 15%, 10%, even up to a 5% deposit, the government has issued 10,000 of those allowances or policies or whatever you want to call them. They did 10,000 at the beginning of the year. They've shredded through them. They issued another 10,000 out. So if you are considering doing it, there is a little bit of a clock to get that done. And that means that you don't need as much as big, you don't need to take out mortgage insurance. It will be easier for you to get, effectively, you'll be taking a 95% loan. But the big one, mortgage insurance can be a one-off cost of 5, 10, 15 grand, 20 grand. Mm. You're not going to be paying that because the government's big brother uh, guarantoring you, uh, looking you know, that you're going to come good. So the government's yeah. helping you. Perfect. And how commercial funding differs from residential? We've just gone through residential. Now, getting a commercial loan, generally the minimum is or the comfortable rate is around that sort of 30%. Some go as low as 20%. Some will require 50%. But And that's sort of the lower. So as we just went through with residential, you can get 5%, 10%. 
the lowest in commercial is 20%. A lot of deals want that 40 to 50% deposit. And the same applies with using cash or using equity from another property there. And general rule of thumb with commercial lending is it's about 1% higher than residential. So at the moment, you've got residential at 2%. There are some banks out there doing commercial around that 3, 3.25 for interest rates. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's some specialist lending as low as 1.7%, which is unheard of for commercial. So it is always changing, but those general principles apply because I always get asked the question from buyers a lot going, well, what deposit do I need to buy that shop? And I'm always like, well, technically for the contract side of things, 10%, sometimes we can negotiate 5%, but for your loan, do it at 30% and obviously give or take a little bit there. But now with contract deposits, um, it is standard on the front page for residential or commercial for 10%, but you can negotiate that, can't you? Yeah. I got one that I'm thinking one thing on the commercial, why do they want a bigger deposit than, res than residential with finance? Generally a bigger deposit because the vacancy risks and time is a lot longer. So they do want to have a lower loan on that property um, is generally why, in my view, the risk is a lot higher. Residential, if it comes vacant, you can have that rented within a week or two. So a lot of the time, um, the serviceability is a lot harder on commercial property because, yeah, you're not generally living there. So they want to know there's less debt and your income higher and you can cover it. So you need almost 50% more deposit when you're buying a commercial property purely because there's more risk involved for the bank and probably for you. 100%. So if you've got a residential loan for a million, you'll probably only get 500000 for commercial property. Plus, they're going to whack you on a higher interest rate. And you, interest. Get a high interest, and you get a higher interest Ma rate. Michael Edwards, uh, do you do many deals with vendor finance? No. Um, I don't think I've ever done one, to be honest. Nah, I've, I've done one. Um, Norm. 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 Ah, yes. Yep, yep. We um, just find um, money is very accessible for people. Money is very accessible yes. for people and a lot of owners, all their wealth is in that property. So when they sell, they want to cash out and buy something else. And with developments where you may see it more commonly is there's more buyers who can get access to the cash. So an owner won't fund it, won't fund it. They'll just sell to someone who has the, has the loan who can pay it outright. Yep. And what was that next one you wanted to ask about the... Um... Deposits on a contract. It says 10%, but I know you sometimes people do 5%. Sometimes people can do 1% on a development, do you want to talk, but it's very different. Do you want to go through that? Yeah, and another exciting one is if you're a seller, often you can use the deposit that the purchasers put on your property to go and purchase another property. So if you've sold for a million bucks and there's a there's 100K deposit sitting there in the agent's trust account on behalf of both parties. If you've negotiated it cleverly, you can use that 100K to go and purchase the next place. And you may be purchasing for 1.5 million, you ask them to do a 10% deposit, sorry, 5% deposit, which is 75K, 
bang, you got a 100K deposit, bang, you can put it down on your purchase. So um, that means you don't have to have the cash, cold hard cash in your account when you sell to make a deposit on another purchase. Possibly. Yeah, we, we love that. It's called a releasable deposit. I think about 50-50 of clients agree to that. It's very useful to top up the cash. As I said, most of your wealth is in the property, saves you getting bridging loan. And most commonly, if the agent des- describes it well and the lawyers um, uh, are pretty reasonable, they will agree to that as well because obviously it's done after an unconditional sale. If the buyer falls through, you keep the deposit anyway. So besides people's perception, it's a fairly reasonable request and it can really help the seller as well. So we definitely try and keep those options open and notify our vendors that that's possible. Mate, we could talk all day about deposits, bloody real estate agents. That's true. Well, anyway, on a purchasing contract, it could be 5%, 10%. Generally, we can talk about option agreements on developments another time because that's our 17 minutes and that's a wrap. And I hope we help somebody out there. And if you know anyone we can help, please share and love you. Thanks, guys. See you back. Uh, breakfast at Novak, 8.30 on Monday. We'll be back. Giddy up. Cheers. See you, everyone. Love you. Bye.